Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. What is going on, guys? Today is quarantine Q&A number two. Uh, So we are still here quarantined. Uh, We don't know how long this is going to last, but here in Washington, it's pretty rough. Um... Not rough for me. I'm doing okay. Me and the family are safe. We are healthy. We are staying away from most human life forms, as everybody should be. Um, I feel like it's my job to to mention this a little bit on the podcast, just to make sure people are taking it seriously and people are isolating themselves. As as much as I believe in human interaction, human connection, I mean, it's what we founded our company on. Really, it's it's connecting with other individuals and, and educating them on a deeper level, which requires frequent communication. Um, but the beauty is that's all online. So what I would recommend to people is just just truly take this seriously. Stay inside. Your results are not going to go anywhere. It is the best possible thing, not only for yourself, but for the world, for the planet, for the society, for, for everybody, really. So let's help each other out. And the, the sooner we can all quarantine ourselves, the sooner this can all be over. Um, I feel like it's my position because there are literally thousands of people listening to this right now. I feel like it's my job to make sure that I just put it out there a little bit, just do my due diligence of trying to stay safe and keep everybody safe. Um, the other thing I want to say before we jump into the Q&A, because we have a ton of great questions today, um, kind of jumping all over the place uh, as far as training and nutrition and even some about this whole lockdown situation, is that I want to recommend everybody really, really push themselves to control what they can. And the two things that you can mainly control, actually we'll do three, three things you can mainly control. And I've talked about this recently on the previous Monday Motivation podcast is your body, your mind, and your relationships. Just because you can't go around and hang out with a bunch of people in person or have social gatherings does not mean that you can't FaceTime your friends, talk to your brother, sister, husband, wife, kids, family, whoever doesn't live in your vicinity that you are close with doesn't mean you can't connect with them. So I'm doing even more than I ever have, and it, and it sucks that it took something like this for me to reach out so much, but I'm talking to my parents, my brother, my teammates, my clients, everybody so much more because of this, and it's so fulfilling. So remember that you can always connect with people and build your relationships. Number two is your body. You can always challenge and change your body. Yes, body weight workouts aren't the most optimal thing. You don't have a gym, but guess what? It's still going to be challenging, and I know there's a ton of people that are working with us because we're providing all of our clients, whether they are in the training membership site, the tailored trainer or not, we're providing all of our clients with at-home workouts to do. We have minimal equipment workouts that are just built off of uh, a single kettlebell or some dumbbells or a band or whatever. Then we have a bands only, which is just for the people who only have bands. And then we have a body weight only. And so far, the feedback has been insane. And people are saying like, holy shit, this surprised me. Like the pump is insane. I can't believe how hard that was. That was super challenging. And the reality is, is if you're pushing your body to a level of effort that is near failure, you are going to stimulate the stress response that causes adaptation for muscle growth. And you are going to improve because this is something new. It's novel. So training from home is is not as fun as the gym sometimes, but it's still a challenge and it's still going to provide great results. And then the last thing is your mindset. 
your mindset is something that you can always take control of. Right now is the best time ever to be listening to podcasts like this. Get some audiobooks, read more, write more, journal more, meditate more, go on more walks, have quiet time with yourself, and really just double down on self-improvement because what else can you do? And the last thing I will do to tie all this together, and this is something that we've been, you know, so fortunate that our business, I mean, we have almost a decade of experience just in online coaching. So the fact that we are kind of the perfect, in the perfect place of, of doing this is, is really, really cool. And we've been providing programming over the internet for so long that it's really easy for us to do and we're helping these clients. But the thing that I want to, to push out to everybody listening to this, whether you are members of ours, clients of ours, friends of ours, just, just followers and listeners or people who just want to see better results Two things. Number one, shameless plug, reach out to us. This is a crazy time and there's there's never been a better time to go harder on your fitness. And when I say harder, I mean be more methodical and really dial things in. We have so many clients that are spotless on their nutrition right now because they have all the time and control in the world. So they're really learning how to ingrain systems and habits that are going to carry on after this. But it's also a time that accountability is crucial because that human interaction is going to literally get you through this time. I know it is for me and I've reached out to my coaches more than ever during this time because I need somebody to talk to um, and, and it's really, really important. So if, if you're in that place and you're stuck and you still want to see results and you don't want to let this get the best of you, reach out to us. Click the link in the description of this podcast. We are here to help. This is what we do. We solely do remote coaching. So this, we are in the perfect place to help you in this scenario if you are in need. And then the second thing is that remember, all the pain in the world doesn't add up to the pain of regret. You will always regret not trying your hardest. You will always regret not giving it a go. You will always regret not trying, period. So if you go through this period of time not training from home, not going on walks, not journaling, not meditating, not learning new things about yourself, not creating space, not connecting with family, not dialing in your nutrition, I promise you by the end of this, you will regret that time that you wasted because you could be 10 steps forward by the end of this, even though it's a difficult time. No matter what the time is, there's never a great time to start and there's never a perfect time for anything, but there's always the time to work on yourself. All right, guys, that's way too long of an intro. I've kind of gone on a little bit of a rant, but I wanted to really start with some fire and just let's just shout this out to you guys because I think it's so important. I've been more motivated than ever um, to just provide more value, to get really serious about what I'm talking about and to make sure that people are keeping their heads up and staying positive. I'm in a position where that's my duty, that's my role, and I'm honored to be in that position and lead from that place. But I need to push it as hard as I can to make sure that you guys all are constantly reminded that you can win still, no matter what. Um, and the last thing I will say before we get into this podcast is shout out to our sponsor, Top Notch Nutrition. <laughs> Head over to topnotchnutrition.com slash boom boom um, and grab a discount. Boom boom is the coupon code. Uh, this is a, honestly one of the, the best times to be doubling down on some, some vitamins and minerals and making sure that your immune system is strong. So for me, I've been doing the hydrate and greens religiously once or twice a day. Um, the vitamin D and, uh, as well as the omega threes and the relief, which is their inflammation supplement. But the point being is, is if you can do anything, grab the greens, support your immune system, get some multivitamins in your body, get some healthy food in your body. Now is the time to take care of your body. Um, and Top Notch Nutrition is the supplement company that I trust most with my body. And then the last thing, of course, as always, take a screenshot of the show if you enjoy it, if I am helping you in any way, and post it on your story and tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom on Instagram. I want to see who's listening. I want to thank you for listening, and I want to share it on my story as well. All right, guys, without any further ado, let's get on to the Q&A. All right. First question, Lauren E. Pelton from Instagram. How do you do a refeed once you've been dieting a while? 
do you go up to your new calculated maintenance? Um, new is in capital letters. So, uh, and that's a really good question. I think she's emphasizing new because I think a lot of people jump right to to maintenance. So, it kind of depends where you're at. I think that like the the purpose of a refeed is to take your calories to maintenance um, for a, a short period of time, whether that's a single day refeed or it's a two day refeed or it's a diet break that's three days or more. Regardless, even a diet break. I mean, it's it, diet breaks are multi day refeeds, but if we are doing that, you're, you need to bring your calories up to maintenance in order to have any type of physiological response or just, just glycolytic response where your body is replenishing muscle glycogen um, and psychological response. Like the, you need to bring your calories up a little bit. And if you just add 50 carbs and that's not even remotely close to your true maintenance, you're not going to feel that great from it. You're probably just going to have more hunger and cravings and want to eat 200 more carbs. So what I always recommend to people is, is – at the very beginning, you have to know your, your maintenance. So if you drop your calories from, let's say, 2,500 calories for easy math is your maintenance, and you go into a 500-calorie deficit because you know that will lose about a pound of fat per week, and you're going to take a uh, refeed day every two weeks, you would basically go to 2,000 calories to try to push into a deficit, and then after two weeks, you would bring your calories up to 2,500 via carbohydrates. So that's an extra however many carbs. I can do the math real quick so I don't embarrass myself and say the wrong number. Um, 125 grams carbs. Uh, but what you can do there is add 125 grams carbs to your diet. It will bring your calories back up to 2,500, which is your, your original maintenance. It's the maintenance you started with. But at this point in time, it's still probably your maintenance or it's close enough to your maintenance to where you're not going to see a huge rebound, right? Um, however, let's say you are, let's say you're doing this, let's say you're dieting and you're doing a two to three day refeed every two weeks, which is a good strategy. Like, and you said, how do you do a refeed once you've been dieting a while? I think it really depends. Um, the more frequently you do refeeds, the shorter they should be. So if you're doing a refeed weekly, it should probably be just one day or two days at most. If you're doing a refeed day every two weeks, it can be two or three days. Um, if you're doing it every three weeks, it can be anywhere between three days to a full week, seven days. Um, if you haven't taken a refeed in the last 12 weeks of your cut, you should probably do a maintenance block. And this is where you're just going to pull calories up to maintenance or your new maintenance, quote unquote, which I'll get into in here in a sec and stay there for at least a week, but most likely two, three, or even four weeks, like have a full maintenance block. Yes, you will gain a little bit of weight, but it'll most likely be uh, glycogen and just water. So once that falls off, you're right back to where you were and you feel 10 times better in the fat loss, the cut that you're going into the phase that you go back into after this, this maintenance phase is probably going to be more productive. And I think that's where people get tripped up as they get so worried about not having that linear progress week to week. Cause they're like, if I, if I go into a diet break for four weeks, I mean, that's four weeks. I'm not losing weight. My goals lose weight. It's like, yes, I understand that. But when you come back to the diet, it's going to be more effective and it's going to be more sustainable. So you're more likely to maintain muscle mass, maintain phys physiological health and sustain the result that you achieved in that diet once it's all done. And it's going to be more effective. So you'll probably lose weight faster and more effectively on a weekly basis after that diet break. So it's really, really important. Um, that being said, let's go back to the, the earlier example. You're doing a diet break or, or a two-day refeed every two weeks, and you are bringing your calories back up to 2,500 because that's where you started, and now you're in, a two, you're in a deficit. You're at 2,000 calories. Six weeks go by, and you have been losing weight, but you've plateaued the last one to two weeks. It's time to make an adjustment. So you drop your calories from 2,000 all the way down to 1,800 or 1,750, right? 200 to 250 calories more to continue pushing that fat loss. Cool. 
go with that. But when you come back to the maintenance, you might want to consider dropping your, your refeeds down by 200 to 250 calories as well. Um, and the reason for that is because as you lose weight and as you lower your calories, your maintenance caloric intake will lower as well. It's, this is the, the process of adaptive thermogenesis. So, and it's not a scary thing. It's not a bad thing. And, and it is something that can be, I don't like to use the words fixed, but kind of manipulated down the road, but your, your maintenance is a moving target. So as you lose body mass, that maintenance is going to lower. And if you're doing the cut right and you're losing weight, that's the goal. So a lot of people get tripped up and they're like, man, like my maintenance is lowering. I'm having this metabolic adaptation. It's a horrible thing. Well, it's like, well, is it because you are losing weight? Because if it's, if that's the reason, then that's the whole goal. That's a good thing. It's just part of, that's just like the Annie. It's, it's just what, it's what you have to give in. You have to pay, you have to pay to play. And, and part of what you have to pay is a little bit of your maintenance calories to, to make sure that you can lose weight. Um, now you can try to build muscle and change your knee and do things in the future to bring that back up. But, but for now it's going to lower a little bit and that's just something you have to live with. So yeah, I think as you diet and you pull calories, you probably want to pull calories down on your refeed days as well. Just because if your normal caloric intake to lose, if your deficit calories need to come lower then your maintenance, probably calories probably need to come lower as well. Um, it's just, that's just the nature of the game. Ship J I 12 ship G what is the best way to meet macros when there's such a shortage at grocery stores right now? Yeah, this is a crazy time. Um, I know that we're doing, we, we order our groceries from, uh, we got a Fred Meyer out here that does pickup. Usually you have to pay like five bucks to, to drive up. They put it in the back of your trunk and then you leave, but now they're doing it for free for everybody. Cause a lot of people aren't allowed in the grocery store and which it's just such a crazy time. Every time I talk about this, I literally stop and I'm like, I feel like I'm in a fucking movie. Like this is wild. So crazy. Um, I feel very, very blessed that my family is still healthy and safe and that I'm in a position where I get to help people every single day. Like I'm so fulfilled because although I'm trapped and although all these factors are uncontrollable and and creating chaos and there is some stress and anxiety, I have so many things I can control and I can be positive about. And the fact that I'm helping others find that control is like the most rewarding thing. Like the messages we're getting from members like literally light me up and they keep me going. So um, that's just a lesson for you guys. Connect with people because it's the, it's the best way to stay positive during this time. But anyway, um, grocery stores. So right now we're picking up groceries. Uh, first tip, set up the grocery pickup way in advance. I mean we, we're picking up groceries tonight. Um, to restock on some stuff and mainly like veggies and stuff like that and yogurt. But we did the order like four or five days ago, maybe more. Cause we, we basically went shopping. We got our groceries from the pickup, came home, did another order for what we know was going to go bad in the next few days or like what we're going to eat through. Cause you can only store so many veggies. We eat veggies every day. We run through them. So we put the order in and it's already ready to go. Like, right. So like we basically did it like, okay, we got home. Here's the groceries. Cool. Let's put another order in. Cause we know it's going to be a f- at least a few days before they even accept it. Um, so make sure you're getting on top of that. Don't wait till your pantry's empty right now because you're not going to get quick pickup on, on the orders from grocery stores. That's for damn sure. Um, that's the, that's the first tip. The second tip is simplify your, your, your foods. I think a lot of people, 
like if you simplify your ingredients to be one macro dominant ingredients, so very simplified form. So think about it like this. Like um, I, I really love doing like Quaker Quick Oats. They're in the little bag. They're easy to track. They don't go bad for fucking years. Um, and they're mainly just carbs. Yes, they have a little protein. Yes, they have a tiny, tiny bit of fat, but they're pretty much just carbs. Um, we're eating a lot of white rice because you can get a huge bag of white rice at Costco for dirt cheap. And it's literally just carbohydrate. Sweet potatoes, just carbohydrate. So now we have three options, right? Probably going to be rice and oats for most of them because sweet potatoes go bad too. So you need to either stock up and have them daily or you need to eat them right after you get them. So for me, it's like, okay, oats and rice. It's basically pure carb. It's easy to fit in and they don't go bad forever. Boom. Those are my two carb sources. Keep it simple. Don't change a thing. I eat oats twice a day and rice once a day. It's just right now that's the easiest way to do it. Um, egg whites, go to Costco. You can get the big box of cartons. So it's a bunch of individual cartons. Um, and then you're set egg whites. As long as you don't open the container, they, they last quite a bit of time. So now I have protein that is easy. That's not going to go bad. That's in all these little tiny cartons. Instead of getting one big carton that you have to use within seven days, pure protein. There's no fat. There's no, no, it's pure protein. Um, and yes, I don't put a whole egg. Doesn't mean whole eggs aren't healthy, but instead I'm just going to use olive oil because guess what? Olive oil is cheap, easy, and it's going to last forever. So it's in my pantry and I get my fat in that meal from olive oil instead of a whole egg right now, because I know that the whole eggs aren't going to last as long and God forbid I don't get to go to the store for a while. Um, protein powder is another one. I keep, uh, Top Notch Nutrition doesn't have casein, but I keep casein and then Top Notch Nutrition's way in my pantry at all times. So if I need an easy protein source, boom, it's right there. There's no fat in there. So there's barely any carbs at all. Um, so that's another easy one. Um, yeah, so like my point with this is, is like you're just keeping foods very, very simple. All my fruit is almost frozen. So I'm eating a ton of frozen berries and stuff because it lasts longer and it's easier and you can get in a big bag. So now I have basically like all these foods that are like just my carbs right? I have all these foods that are just my uh, protein. And then I have these foods that are just my fats. Um, and this is another reason why I really would recommend ButcherBox. Like I'm so thankful we had that before this happened because we got a huge shipment of meat right before this all hit. And now we're going to get another one um, in a month, uh, less than a month, which is going to be perfect. And since we're already a, a customer, we don't have to wait. It's like we get it routine every month. Um, but I have a freezer full of meat because of it. But the point being is if you can simplify ingredients, it makes it a hell of a lot easier to track and hit macros because now I can go, okay, here's my carbs. Here's my fats. Here's my proteins. Let me just kind of plug and play. So for breakfast, I'm going to do egg whites cooked in a little bit of olive oil. So I get that fat. Um, then I'm going to have oats with a sliced up banana and peanut butter inside of it. And I'm going to put like spinach in the, in the eggs. So I have a little bit of greens. Boom pure veggie, pure carb, pure fat, pure protein, done. Simple. All the ingredients last quite a bit of time. And I don't have to think like, oh, well, shit, if I add this type of carb, it's a bunch of protein. Or if I add this type of fat, it's a bunch of extra protein. Very, very minimally, uh, minimal macro ingredients, essentially. Um, for lunch, same thing. Okay, fat-free Greek yogurt. Boom. That's my protein source. A little bit of whey protein in there to mix the casein and whey. You guys know I love this this pre-workout meal. Boom. More oats. Fuck it. I don't, I don't get sick of oats. <laughs> Put some frozen blueberries in there. Mix it up, boom, perfect pre-workout meal, pure carb, pure fruit, pure protein, low fat, love it, it's easy, simple, doesn't go bad forever, done. Um, dinner, white rice is going to be every night basically <laughs> because it's easy and it never gets old. White rice with some salt and put a little, um, this, is a, this is a tip, if you can save a little bit of fat, this is turning white rice into a highly palatable meal 
Um, so you have to be careful with it because you can literally overeat rice if you do this. But um, if you can control it, it's really, really good. So basically take the white rice, put either grass-fed butter or coconut oil. If you like coconut oil, it's actually really good on top of it. Uh, but either one of those two, melt it on it. I will kind of adjust based on the rest of my food. So if I have more saturated fat in my diet that day, I'll go with uh, coconut oil, even though it is a saturated fat, it's an MCT, it's a multi-chain triglyceride, so it's processed a little bit differently in your body. But if I don't have a ton of saturated fat that day, I will just go with grass-fed butter because it's butter. You can't go wrong with butter. But let the butter melt over the rice and then put some salt on it. Whew, ridiculous. So white rice every night, salt, a little bit of butter, coconut oil, boom, done fat, carb, um, simple to track. If I have steak that night, I'll take the butter off and just have the white rice because that steak has a ton of fat in it. Um, or if we have pork or whatever it may be, um, we have a meat of the day, no matter what. And then we have a veggie of the day, Brussels, green beans, broccoli, carrots, rotate them through. So we get a serving of each. And after four days, we have another order coming in at the grocery store, boom, recycle it through. But it's so simple because I take all these separate ingredients and I put them together. Um, and it makes food combining a lot easier. So you almost have this template and you have these different places. And that's what I would recommend doing right now. Um, and at the end of the day, it's all about planning too. Like we have to remember that calories in versus calories out is the biggest predictor of, of body composition change and health. So a lot of people forget that. A lot of people always think like, oh, no, like you got to eat micronutrient-dense foods. Like that's the key, blah, blah, blah. And, and I agree that is going to help your health and you probably should do that. However, we have to also remember that if we are in a caloric surplus, we are more likely to gain body fat. If we are more likely to gain body fat, we are more likely to have high disease risk, poor immune system, low hormonal balance, like so on and so forth. That's why the Twinkie diet, even when he did that, and he ate Twinkie every single day. Um, and I think he ate multiple Twinkies, which meant his micronutrient count of what he was getting in from Whole Foods was lower because you can only fit so much food in your diet when you're on a deficit. Um, he actually had improved blood and health markers. Why is that? Well, it's because he was in a caloric balanced state and he lost body fat. So right now, instead of being like, Fuck, I got to eat canned green beans or I only got one serving of greens today, whatever it may be, don't stress it. Like really just focus on hitting your calories, hitting your macros and you will be golden. So what I always tell people is, is really just dial in your macros, plan ahead and just be ready to go. So if you have to eat something that is packaged, you have to eat a bagel, you have to eat rice, you have to eat oats, you have to eat a protein bar, you have to eat whatever it may be, nuts. Like it doesn't matter as long as you're planning ahead and you're fitting those things in and you're just keeping that caloric balance in check. Um, and the best way is to separate food groups into just fat, just carbs, just protein. Use it like a template and just plan ahead. CMPEC38. Best way to rebuild metabolism and eat more after cutting. I'm working on a reverse, but being only 5'2", and I'd really like to push the upper limits and eat more. Anyway, to really stretch my calories – oh, anyway, to really stretch my calories without under undoing my progress. I said that as if anyway was one word, but it's anyway to reach. So um, how do you reach more calories without undoing my progress? To an extent, you can't. Um, I think this is this is unfortunate news for some people because some people are like, oh, I want to be one of those individuals that just eats a ton of food. And it's like, well, and, and not, not to pick on you, um, CM Peck, but if you're 5'2", and the person you're looking at eating a ton of food is 5'9", and you're, I don't know how much you weigh, you're 120 pounds, and she's 150 or 60 or 70, they have more body mass. They are, no matter what, they are going to eat, be able to eat more. They also have a, a, a genetic ability to probably store more muscle tissue on their body, which is, again, a meta, metabolically driven tissue, which is going to lead to more caloric intake. 
Um, yeah. And then the other things are just going to be lifestyle. So like the only way that I would say people can really maximize their calories while keeping pretty lean is going to be a higher energy expenditure, um, in a healthier hormonal system. That's really the two things. So, so how do we do this? Number one is sleep. Um, sleep burns a lot of calories. It minimizes stress and it maximizes hormones. So the best thing, and it maximizes muscle growth. So the best thing to do is like, if you're not sleeping seven to eight hours a night, that's your first step. That alone not only will cure cravings, but it'll allow you to eat more food without gaining weight. I guarantee because it'll speed up your metabolism. Um, another thing you could potentially do is eat more, and this actually relates to the next question, eat more food uh, in the morning. So make your, your first meal of the day your biggest meal of the day. There's some really cool studies on chrononutrition that show if the first meal of your day is the biggest meal and you partition most of your calories into the morning – you were going to have a higher caloric expenditure. Um, and this is most likely just due to the fact that because you're eating first thing in the morning, um, that's setting you up for how active you're going to be. So if you eat more food, you're more likely to have an increased need. But that's just from partitioning their food. So if you partition more of your calories in the morning and weight, you actually might be able to maintain your weight on higher caloric intake. And that's what the study showed. They were on average, I think, able to maintain their body weight on 300 more calories if they partition most of their calories in the morning. Um, and that, that basically just means that at the start, just partition more of your calories, you might lose a little bit, and then eventually you'll be able to increase your calories by 200, 300, 400 calories based on this study. Um, that's another way. Uh, and then the last one is expenditure, energy expenditure. If you're making sure that your energy expenditure is increasing while you increase calories, that's going to be your best bet. So if you're doing 8,000 steps a day and you want to increase calories – Aim for 10,000 steps a day. Um, if you want to eat more calories, make sure you push harder in the gym. Like, I mean, it, it's really that simple. The more energy you burn, the more energy you need to consume. So um, one way to make sure that you can capitalize on that is really just to push it harder in the gym and walk more throughout the day. So you're increasing your knee and you're increasing your output in the gym. Um, and, and usually it's a, it's, a, it's a related relationship. So, like, think about it like this. Like, it's not as easy when you say like, hey, I'm going to start pushing myself really hard so I can eat more because you don't have the fuel to do so yet. But if you just believe in the reverse and you just start eating more, you'll probably translate that into training because you have more energy to burn. So it usually works in that relationship versus the inverse where you're like, oh, I'm going to work harder to eat more calories. No, like eat more calories and I guarantee you'll naturally work harder. Uh, but that's the gist of it. I think like if you reverse properly, um, you have a coach that's going to take you through a proper recovery and reverse diet, you're getting enough sleep, um, and you're just maximizing meat and energy expenditure, or a little bit of chrononutrition and meal timing, I think you're going to be in the best place possible. Anti-diet underscore dietitian, your opinion on chrononutrition. So I'll, I'll link the show I did with Danny Lennon in the show notes. Um, Really, really great podcast. Uh, he wrote an article on it that we kind of use as our blueprint for the interview. But really, really fascinating stuff. Um, my opinion on it is that I think this is one of those things that still comes after calorie balance but is very interesting because it's, it's influencing calorie balance quite a bit. Um, and, and it's a really cool area of research because there's not a lot that is coming out in nutrition inside of research that is – kind of pushing against the caloric balance theory or the the, uh, the theory of thermogenesis, essentially calorie equations, right? Um, because you can't defy that. And, that. and that is very true. However, what this is saying is that if you tweak your nutrient timing and you tweak how you are setting up your meals throughout the day to have a better circadian rhythm, you might actually be able to alter 
the way your body uh, utilizes and needs calories. Um, so it's almost like if you do this, we can alter the caloric balance equation, which is really, really fascinating and really, really cool stuff. So, um, I'm a fan of it. I think it's really cool. I think it's really interesting new research that's actually defying some of the stuff that we thought we once believed, but I still think that calories come first. Um, because at the end of the day, when we look at chrononutrition, it does get into the more advanced side of things. We have a lot of like little minute details of nutrient timing, so on and so forth. And that can be a little bit harder for individuals to really adhere to and comply with over time. So I think that it's one of those things where, yes, it's valuable and it can be useful, but it shouldn't come before calorie balance. I think people need to understand calorie balance and understand how to track nutrition and understand the fundamentals of uh, macros and nutrition and, and healthy eating and stuff like that before they start messing with chrononutrition just because they're just going to get overwhelmed. They're going to get confused. Um, I think they're, they're getting ahead of themselves with that. However, I do think it's valuable. I think it's a really interesting area of research, and I have used some of the principles that I've learned from the research and from Danny Lennon inside of my coaching and when I'm individualizing somebody's diet because there's many times where somebody has the fundamentals locked down, and why wouldn't I use these advanced strategies? Because they do lead to a higher maintenance caloric intake or energy expenditure, potentially better insulin sensitivity, and possibly a better control over cortisol in the morning. So for me, I love it. I think it's really useful, but it's more of an advanced strategy. Cat.coburn. My husband has a back and neck injury causing weakness in his right side. What are some suggestions you have to make sure he doesn't get too out of balance strength-wise and bring up the weaker side? He's going to PT but also has approval for some weightlifting. This one's tough because my, my first response is go to a physical therapist, but then you finish the question with he's going to PT, <laughs> but also has approved uh, approval for some weightlifting. Um, so what do I suggest that you do? Bring up the weaker side. Really just unilateral work. It's, it's really hard for me to get too in-depth with questions like this just because I don't feel comfortable prescribing any specific exercises because I don't see you in front of me and I'm not assessing you, um, even virtually. Like there's a lot of, I mean, we obviously do remote coaching. So when we work with somebody, I want to at least see how you move on camera if we're going to dive into this kind of stuff. But I think that, I think it's one of those things where if you're, if you have a back and neck injury causing weakness in the right side, um, I think that you have to basically just add a little bit more volume on that right side. So it means that you're turning a lot of things into unilateral work. You're going to get more benefit out of a single arm dumbbell bench press than a barbell bench press right now just because if you do a barbell, your weaker side is probably going to lack and then you're going to have an imbalance that you are encouraging even more. You're going to encourage that imbalance to, to get bigger because you are trying to do a bilateral movement and one side is taking over. I would rather see you do unilateral work and really just isolate that side. And if you need to, add a little bit of volume there. So if let's say you can do a 50-pound dumbbell for dumbbell bench press for 8 per side on the right side and 10 per side on the left side. Well, you're going to do 8 per side for both and the effort on the right is going to be way higher than the effort on the left because you have that weakness. And that's okay. That effort getting closer to failure is going to cause more strength and muscle growth than the side staying further away from failure. Neither going to failure. I need to make that point clear. Um, and then eventually it'll catch up because of that because you're doing a little bit higher effort on that right side consistently, which leads to better strength gains. That's probably going to be my recommendation, honestly, the best thing I can give you. Um, I mean, you can always do mobility, soft tissue work, um, 
cold therapy, lots of sleep, in inflammation, uh, so anti-inflammatory supplements, whether that is something like Top Notch Nutrition has that relief or just fish oil, for example, or you're really shifting your diet to, to promote better recovery, maybe getting some collagen, getting some higher protein, anti-inflammatory foods, so on and so forth. That's going to be my be your best bet. I think otherwise you got to let the PT do its job and, and, and eventually it'll get better. Caroline, Carolyn Mellisfit, mobility slash stability continuum. I have a foot and hip pain. I have foot and hip pain in my right side. Is it because of my knee? If so, what can I do to strengthen my knee without making my foot and hip worse? So if anybody isn't familiar with the mobility stability continuum, but you are into training, go look this up. I think it's super, super valuable for all, all trainers to understand. I actually wrote a blog on this. I'm not even going to tell you guys where because it was on my <laughs> it was on my first blog. It was like one of the first blogs I wrote. I think I was 19. Um and it was on this topic and it was it was on my old website. So it's probably horrendous, but um but the mobility stability continuum is super valuable to pinpoint injuries for clients and to determine why you have imbalances in certain places and potentially what you need to cure or fix or work on from a mobility or stability standpoint. So what this means is basically your joints are stacked Mobile, stable, mobile, stable, mobile, stable. So your ankles are mobile, your knees are stable, your hip is mobile, hips are mobile, uh, your lumbar spine, your lower back is stable, your thoracic spine, which is your mid-back, is mobile. And you keep going up this chain, literally joint by joint, um, and they're stacked in that way. So what tends to happen is if you have an injury in a joint, you can look above and below and you'll probably find a weak link uh, via mobility or stability. That being said, if you have knee pain, look at your hips and look at your ankles. Which one is lacking serious mobility? That is probably the reason why you got uh, hurt in the first place. So if you have a knee issue and you know you have horrible ankle mobility, well, what's gonna happen is when you're running, jumping, squatting, lunging, doing anything that requires a, a great amount of ankle mobility and your ankle is uh, doesn't have that ankle mobility, your knee, which is the joint above it, is going to try and make do. It's going to try to make up for that job that is missing, which is mobility, and become mobile. But it's a stable joint. Um, and you shouldn't have too much movement in your knee from a mobility standpoint. Uh, so that being said, when your knee tries to make up for the, the immobile ankle and become mobile, you have ACL tear, meniscus tear, whatever it may be, patel tendon issues, something's going to happen. You're going to hurt your knee essentially. Um, and now we have to gain ankle mobility to avoid re-injuring that knee and make sure that it actually heals because you'll keep putting pressure and, and applied tension on that knee if you don't fix the ankle mobility issue. Um, but if your ankles are mobile, it's probably your hips. Um, if you have low back pain, is it your hips or is it your thoracic spine? You might have zero extension and rotation in your spine and that's causing your low back to try to, to become mobile or move too much and you are getting issues. Um, or your hips are immobile, which is more common, and you're going to have back issues. Another thing with low back is that you could just have a really weak core, and that's pretty pretty common in tight hip flexors. But so there's, with the low back, there's a lot of things that it could be. But the point being is, is many times it is just a mobility issue above or below. So the point with this whole mobility stability continuum is A, to have body awareness, B, to know what joints do what, and C, it's to avoid and or rehab issues because if a client comes to you and they're like, man, I got knee pain. You're like, okay, well let's test your ankle and hip mobility. We find the weak link. We fix that. They have no more knee pain. 
you're a genius and you just help them get out of pain and that's much more valuable than losing five pounds and it'll probably help them lose that five pounds. So super, super valuable for, for trainers and coaches to check out. Um, I know, I think Charlie Weingroff has some stuff on it, Great Cook and the, I can't remember the other guy, Brett something, or it's either Brett or Brent something uh, from the FMS Functional Movement Screen crew and company. Um, I think Michael Boyle has some stuff on it. So a lot of people use this back in the day and it's, and it's really, really valuable. So I would highly recommend it. Now you said I have foot and hip pain in my right side. Is it because of my knee? If so, what can I do to strengthen my knee without making my foot and hip worse? So if you have foot and hip pain, it could be a multitude of things. If you have foot pain, it could be ankle mobility. If you had, but it, and usually when it's ankle mobility, you could be having eversion or inversion of the foot as well. So look into that. Like if you see the soles of your feet on the inside of your shoes are like worn in, you probably have eversion or inversion, uh, depending on which side of your sole is worn out, um, of the foot and of the ankle. And that's causing a bad tracking of your walking and your movement patterns. And that's the reason you have foot pain. Um, could it be – if it was directly ankle, I'd say maybe knee, and it could be your knee. Um, but usually with foot pain, that's it's, – it's because of the ankle. It's not because of the knee. If it is the knee, you can do um, – you can't really necessarily strengthen your knee, but you can create stability in your knee. And, and usually what I like to do is um, more unilateral work. I like to do very slow tempo balance stuff um, like PTs would do, um, lateral movements, um, a lot of hamstring work, um, and just soft tissue quality. But I think in general, it's, it comes down to really understanding how to create stability while doing single leg movements, having that balance, building your hamstring and hamstring tendons, building your quads, but doing it the right way, usually through um, movements that allow you to grip the whole floor, not lean on your toes or anything like that, um, and unilateral stuff. Um, but it, it comes down to form a lot too. So if you're, if you're trying to build these muscles to support this knee, but your form is off on those, that's where you're going to have some issues. Um, so it's probably your ankle to be honest with you. Um, but you also said you have hip pain. So maybe you meant you had ankle and hip pain. If you have hip pain, it could be your knee, but it also could be your low back could be just, it depends where in your hip. Is it a hip flexor? Is it, is it the like TFL area, the lateral side by your, uh, um, I'm blanking on the word, uh, the upper, upper out glute, a parafemoris. Um, there's, there's, there's plenty of things that could be, um, so it really just depends. It's so hard for me to say, but, but what I would say for the reason I wanted to, to use this question is because the mobility stability continuum is so valuable. And I think for you, when you're searching for the pain, use the mobility stability continuum and literally just assess. You can go on and find FMS screens and, and really understand, like, do the FMS screen, have somebody film you, have somebody score you, and then you can see, like, oh, okay, shit, like, I have no knee stability. Or maybe it's not your knee. Maybe your ankles have horrible mobility. Your hips have horrible mobility. Maybe it's your thoracic spine. Everything is connected, and it could be anything in the chain. Um, and that's that's the really cool thing about the mobility stability continuum and just how the body works. That's underscore really underscore my underscore name. Signs that you are overtraining. Beyond fatigue, what are the warning signs that you actually impeded your own progress? You're not making progress anymore. I think that's the biggest one. I think people are always looking for all these finite things like, oh, I need to you know, track my sleep quality and see how deep of REM sleep I get, how many disturbances I have throughout the night. Let me check my breathing patterns. Let me blah, 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 blah. Well, let's look at your progress. Are you making any? <laughs> if the answer is no, then you say, okay, 
am I stressed? Am I sleeping? Am I in a deficit? Like what is the reason I am not progressing? So it really depends. Usually when you're overtraining, there's a few things that really stand out. Um, one is going to be body fatigue, like you mentioned, uh, but you're also going to have poor sleep. You're probably going to start having cravings and mood swings, and you're likely not going to have much motivation to get into the gym. Um, and then lastly, your joints and tendons and ligaments are probably going to be sore. So it's not just like my muscles hurt and are sore and they're not recovering, but it's a huge sign. If you have DOMS every week, if, you're, if your muscles are sore for days on end, you have an issue. Uh, but if your joints feel sore or your tendons or ligaments feel sore and, and tight and inflamed, that's a big sign as well. But typically like, like phys- psychologically and physiologically, I'm looking for, uh, signs of poor sleep, signs of, uh, like mood and irritability, uh, lack of motivation to get into the gym and train. Um, and then the, the last one being the most obvious, like if you're not actually progressing period, that's the biggest issue. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. Like you got to look through all the biofeedback points. Like it, are things working? Are you progressing in the gym and or with the, the weight scale or whatever your goal actually is? Do you have mood swings? Are you irritable? Do you have high stress levels compared to normal? Are you getting bad sleep? Are you craving things? And are you unmotivated to get to the gym? And if you can answer yes to more than like two or three of those, then I think you're probably overtraining. And you'll know. Like, I mean, if you're doing a ton of volume, like if you're not doing much volume at all, like if you know, like, man, I'm only training three days a week, then it's probably not that. It's probably you're under eating, right? Under recovering is different than under training. Or sorry, under recovering is different than over training. Uh, but if you're like, yeah, I'm in the gym six days a week. I'm maximizing my total volume per session. Like uh, I'm like hitting 20 sets per muscle group per week. Like, yeah, you're probably overdoing it. One more training underscore SK. If you had to choose to eat poorly and move slash train daily or eat clean and healthy without doing any kind of activity for three years, which one would you choose? Holy shit, that's a tough one. (laughs) Um, This is going to sound bad because I'm a nutritionist and we really, really emphasize how important nutrition is, but I would probably go training. Um, If I had to choose to eat poorly and move and train daily or eat clean and healthy without doing any kind of activity for three years, which one would I choose? I think I'd go crazy without lifting weights, to be honest with you. Um, I would sacrifice gas and bloat from eating shitty food (laughs) so I could still hit the gym and like let off steam and feel like I'm progressing with with muscle mass and and, and building strength because that's just what I just love training so much. I like – I go insane if I can't be in the gym six days a week. Like that's my, that's my like serenity. That's just my everything. That's my woosaw. So I'd probably go crazy. And then the other reason I would say training too is not only because it's what I love to do and it would, it keeps me sane. And there's so many more purposes besides just getting jacked that it does for me. Like, I mean, mentally, physically, physiologically, it's, it's so, it's so big in in the way I function as a human and, and the direction I'm taking my body. But also I can eat shitty and, and not very clean and still hit macros. So to be honest with you, I'd probably eat poor food choices and I would just hit macros. And if I did that and I hit my calories, although it wouldn't be optimal, it wouldn't be ideal, my health wouldn't be as high as it possibly could be. Maybe my digestion's not perfect. Maybe I'm bloated sometimes. Maybe um, I, I don't get all the micronutrients I need. I'd probably still be able to stay lean and or build muscle at a good rate without getting fat. And, and that's going to keep my health more in check than anything else. So um, like I talked about with the closed grocery shopping question, like I think I would choose training and eating poorly just because I can still hit calories with poor food, even though that's not ideal or optimal. I mean, we know based on if it fits your macros and the Twinkie diet, it works. And I don't, I think I would go crazy without training. So that's definitely my answer. Ashley AB8291. Ashley Abe, 
Ashley Ab, Ashley Ebb, 8291. I don't know. Obviously, coaching is the best approach and option, but what are the best tips slash guidelines to keep in mind while trying to completely self-train workouts and nutrition-wise? Hmm. What are the best tips and guidelines? So for this, I would say you have to build a structure around each area that supports results. So that's the first thing. Um, That's going to be – recovery, but we could just call it sleep, sleep, training, and nutrition. So you have to be following a program. So whether you find a program online for free or you study um, what I'm talking about or you've watched maybe you're part of the tailored trainer and you've seen the seminars that I do when I teach program design because those are included in the membership um, and things like that. You take all that information. You take the notes. You learn from those things and you build your own program and you map it out to last 8, 12, 16 weeks, like a long-term program. That's step one because you need to have a fundamental blueprint for your training. Um, The next thing is recovery. You need to make sure you're getting sleep. So how are you going to organize your morning and nightly routines and the rest of your day to make sure that you're getting seven-plus hours of sleep a night? And then lastly – Get the shit. Get the tailored nutrition method. That's the uh, the nutrition ebook that I give away for free on my website. You can go to tailoredcoachingmethod.com. Um, it'll pop up on the homepage, or you can go to the the footer of the the homepage, and you can sign up for our newsletter, and you'll get it for free. And it teaches you how to calculate macros and a lot of other things within your nutrition. So just just learn because there's so much free information out there, and then try to set up your macros from there. The hard part is going to be accountability and adjustments, obviously, because inside of coaching, there's kind of an art not only with keeping people consistent, but making sure that you're making the right adjustments to the diet at the right times. That's a big part of coaching, and and that's why I always say like. The, the success found in coaching is in the process, not the prescription. So, but for, for doing it like self done, like self coached, like you got to start with the prescription and then you're going to have to kind of just, you know, guess and check and, and kind of learn as you go with the adjustments along the way. Um, but that's going to be tip number one and guideline number one is like, you have to lock in sleep, training, nutrition, and have a plan for each, because if you don't have a plan, you're going to be shooting in the dark. Um, the second thing I would say is set a timeline and a goal. So like where do you want to be in 12 weeks? Where do you want to be in 16 weeks? What is your goal in six months? Do you want to do a photo shoot? Do you, like have some specific timeline and deadline because when we as human beings have a timeline or a deadline or a specific period of time where we know that we need to do X, Y, Z or get to X, Y, Z, we have a drive. We have more of a motive. We have some kind of clarity on what the path is and, and we're not uncertain. And uncertainty creates anxiety and stress. So if you don't know where you're going, you're going to be stressed out because you don't know what you're doing. So I think it's really important to have a timeline, deadline, or, or a specific destination to get to that you can put your mind on and, and work towards. Um, and the last thing I would say is just just study every day. Like I, I think there's just so much free information. I mean, we put out four podcasts a week. We do four newsletters a week. We do Instagram every day. Um, we write a blog every week. We do a YouTube video every week. Like we alone do so much. And there's so many great coaches and, and, and educators inside the fitness and nutrition space doing the same thing that there's really no excuse not to learn. So I would just say setting up a period of time every day as well where you're studying training and nutrition to get better. Um, so if you lock in training, sleep, and nutrition and you uh, – you have a plan in each of those. You make sure that you are studying on a daily basis. Um, I think, you're, and you have a deadline. I think, I think you're going to be golden. I think that's the that's the best you can get without coaching.
Gertie Shields. This is going to be the last question for today. You mentioned in your podcast with Andreas that your clients trust and respect you. For new coaches, what is your advice on how to get to this level with clients? With the coronavirus and being quarantined, I've learned how little my clients value me as a trainer. Also, do you have any resources or recommendations on books slash podcasts, etc., that I could learn, read to learn these skills? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, so it, it's hard for me to say. So like, so I can speak for myself on this when I say like my clients trust and respect me because I've been coaching for almost a decade. Um, I give value every chance I can. Um, I communicate, I over deliver and over communicate and I go in massive depth with everything. Um, I'm always asking if they need something. I'm always making sure they're supported. Um, I'm always listening, like actually hearing them on, on their problems, concerns, and, and worries to make sure that I'm supporting them and giving them the answers they need. Um, I put out a ton of content showing my expertise. Like I'm I, literally, I just, just rambled off all the pieces of content I do. Like if there's anything that builds trust from people with me, it's, it's the fact that I'm putting out so much high quality educational information for free that people don't second guess if I know what I'm talking about because it's clear, it's obvious, and I make sure of that because I want to give more value and I want to teach people the most in-depth strategies and, and methods to make sure that they're getting the best results possible. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to say, like, how, how do you build that? I don't know. Like, I think it comes with time and experience. I mean, I've literally coached thousands of people at this point, both through in-person one-on-one training. I've done 80-person boot camps. I've done group strength training. I've done online coaching in every way you could think of. I have a membership portal. Like, I just have a lot of experience. So I think some of it just comes with time. Um, another part of it, it comes with putting out high-quality education. Like, I'm, I'm basically putting out proof that you can trust me. I know what I'm talking about, and I'm here to provide value and do the right thing, um, especially through a time like this, we are giving even more to our clients because we're like, hey, this is a this is a messed up time in society and we are your support system. So what can I do to help you? What can I do to make this easier for you? If you're doing just nutrition with me, how can I create online uh, at-home workouts? Um, and I think like for in-person trainers, this is a big shift because they're like, fuck, I, I don't know how to do the online coaching thing. Well, for us, we've been doing it for so long. We have a team of, of individuals who literally spend every day of their life coaching people online. Like all of us have a full-time job and that full-time job is being an online coach. So for us, we have so much experience in it that we are able to over deliver really easily and get people through this time. I mean, we have a lot of clients that are like doubling down on everything we do and they're like more connected and more communicative and more appreciative because not only are we giving more now that this happened, but they are realizing how important coaching and accountability is. And, and I feel bad for the clients that you set that, that may have uh, stopped with you because you, you mentioned um, you learned how little my clients value as a trainer. Like to me, if, if you feel that way, then you need to, without getting down on yourself, look at everything you do and say, how can I provide more value to make sure that they do value this? Like what would I expect out of a trainer or a coach? Um, and, and if you're an in-person trainer, you have to think of that like a show. Like you're putting on a, an experience when you are coaching people. Um, and I look at every single conversation with a client like that. Is this exp an experience for them? Because that's what I'm aiming for. Um, so I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's experience, it's enthusiasm, it's my energy, it's, it's my, uh, my authority in the industry, it's, it's my education level. I mean, I've, I literally took a, I found, we were doing some spring cleaning since we're stuck inside, I found like a box full of certifications that I have, just all these different certs and nutrition and training and assessments and all these different things and it's like, I have so much experience and education behind me, like I put all that stuff out there and I think that's really what builds trust. Now, do I have anything you can read or, or listen to? I mean, 
I think that comes down to like you can read a bunch of training and nutrition manuals and books and textbooks and do certification courses, and that's going to give you the expertise to build trust. And then outside of that, I think you got to read uh, the one thing. You got to read Go Giver. You got to read uh, Delivering Happiness. You got to read Tribe. You got to read Tribe by Seth Godin, um, not Tribes. Um, so it's just Tribe. Uh, the Go Giver, the leader who had no title. Um, start with why. I think I said that already. Um, so good they can't ignore you. Like there's just so many good books. I've read and listened to all these books. Like all just centered around how can I give more and deliver more value. And really, just I think my life has become that. <laughs> like I literally base my happiness and my success off the amount of value I can provide to individuals who associate themselves with me. Whether that is our clients, which get the highest level of value, or the people listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram. But the the main point here is simple. I literally base my success, my fulfillment, and my happiness off of the value I provide, not off my income. And I think if you can start to shift your mindset and do that, and maybe that is reading these books and listening to these audiobooks and things like that, um, and gaining experience through educational courses or getting coached yourself. Like if you're a trainer and you're going through this period of time and you don't get coached, you've never been coached by an online coach, you've never been mentored by another trainer or nutritionist who is more experienced and successful than you, you're really not doing what you sell or what you preach to, to become better as yourself. Um, I have multiple coaches and I doubled down on that during this time because I need more self-improvement more than ever. So I think you have to live what you preach as well. So I could probably keep going on in this, but I think the biggest thing is like you have to instill that enthusiasm, energy, and education in yourself and then put it out there into the world through value so people can see how much value you can provide. Um, And I think for me personally, like, yes, I have read a lot of books. I've done a lot of things, but it's always been a matter of I base all of my success off the value I can give more than anything else. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.